Hello there, uh, my name's Sumit Das, I'm a paediatric anaesthetist in Oxford and I'm joined by Dr Nicola Disma um, here in Sheffield. So by way of introduction, Nicola is a senior consultant paediatric anaesthetist in Gen Genova, Italy. Uh, he's also had some time at Great Ormond Street in London um, and he's here to talk about the Nectarin study um, on the back of a grant from the European Society of Anesthesia. Um, so, Nicola, thank you for agreeing to meet with me today. Um, can you start by just telling us why you feel there's the need for another clinical trial network after we've seen the results of the apricot study? Okay, so thank you very much for inviting me. It's really a great, great pleasure to record this podcast. So, um, as you mentioned, um, just briefly, the Clinical Trial Network is a great resource which is funded by the European Society of Anesthesia. Actually, every two years, the European Society of Anesthesia uh, launch a new opportunity for two clinical trial networks grant, and uh, the Apricot was granted a few years ago, and the Nectarine is the recently funded large clinical trial network. So actually, this is a great opportunity because through the European Society of Anesthesia and, of course, all the pediatric anesthesia scientific societies across Europe, we have the opportunity of creating a true networking of collaboration in research. So as you mentioned, we did a few years ago the APRICOT, which was a large clinical trial network based on the occurrence of severe critical events in the pediatric population below the age of 15. And we found actually that the average incidence of critical events is nearly about 5.3%. And we also found some good risk factors. These are all key elements to provide um, publication in, in the literature, of course, this is the first step, but the following and I think most important step is to try to improve the clinical practice across Europe in order to implement and um, improve the outcome of our patients. So once we did the apricot, which was focused on children, we uh, we uh, we noticed that, of course, we already knew this, but we had the, the, the clear evidence that neonates and infants are a completely different population. They are very fragile. They usually undergo anesthesia several times in a short period of time, and they usually go to ICU for intensive care, of course, uh, treatment. And uh, so these, all, uh, these are all risk factors, and uh, we need to understand how pediatric anesthetists are dealing with this uh, specific population, uh, which is the occurrence of critical events in this subpopulation, and uh, which is the outcome of these uh, children. So, so it, it's this difference that you've just sort of alluded to is why you've s chosen to focus on neonates and, and infants. Yes, exactly. So uh, as I mentioned, um, uh, we, we, uh, the, 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 the scientific community uh, over the last 15 years focused on the issue of uh, anesthetic neurotoxicity. Mm -hmm. And we did quite a lot of work around this 
there could be still uh, some issue related with the administration of anesthetics, but we now believe that the way we are providing anesthesia is far more relevant than the anesthetic drugs by themselves. So we need to completely split up the job. We need to understand if anesthesia may be dangerous by itself, but we also need to improve education, teaching, all this stuff around um, the, the way we are treating neonates in, in the preoperative setting. And um, of course, neonates and infants are a completely different population. So we cannot merge uh, this population into the broad uh, age span of pediatrics. Okay. And are you uh, in a position to give us a little idea of what we might expect yeah, so when we started doing the nectarine study, we also wanted to look at the apricot data. And what we found uh, was that the occurrence of severe critical events in neonates and infants is different. First of all, is is uh, higher than the rest of the population, and the distribution of severe critical events is different because uh, 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 mainly in the pediatric population, the respiratory events is the most common, but in the neonatal population, the cardiac uh, adverse events are the main uh, problems. So this is one really relevant aspect. The second one is that, uh, of course, morbidity and mortality of these children is much higher than the rest of the, the, of the pediatric population and the overall population, of course. So we do expect uh, to see in a prospective way um, which is the, the, the occurrence of morbidity and mortality after anesthesia, and that was the reason why we wanted to have a proper 30 and 90 day follow-up. And also we are aiming at looking at which are the risk factors. So uh, for example, if something occurs in the operating room, is this a preventing, uh, is these are risk factors that um, is triggering the attention that that specific patient may have a bad outcome? These are the things that we need to look at. Okay. Um, with my pediatric anesthetic hat on, I'm certainly aware we're being asked to anesthetize more premature, more smaller babies, um, sort of four or 500 grams are not uncommon now. Uh, are you seeing increased morbidity in, 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 in this group of, of babies as well? Is that something that can that comes out with a sort of more premature and smaller weight? So, of course, these are all risk factors. And um, we actually need to look at the data. And we, of course, we, we have some expectations. But we need to have the, the clear proof through the statistical analysis that all these risk factors um, are associated with a poor outcome. So this is really relevant to, to, to be understand. And, um, and of course, uh, I'm pretty sure that the way we are treating these children, I mean, the, the variability in the way we are treating neonates can have an impact, an effect by itself. So we need to see if different treatment may lead to a better or poor outcome. Okay. And um, obviously, we're keen to see this. So, do you ha do you have a, a rough timeline for publication? Okay. So, actually, I have to tell you honestly that this study was quite challenging. Mm. We are now uh, 
We, 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 we are about to lock the database. It means that we did two rounds of cleaning uh, and we now know that we have nearly 6,000 neonates and infants in the database. These are the definitive number which I'm going to show tomorrow during my presentation. So once the cleaning is done, which means right now, now the next step will be to make the uh, statistical analysis plan public. We'll publish it at the, in the ESA website, and then we can start doing um, the uh, statistical, the proper statistical analysis. I'm quite, I'm quite confident that by the end of the year we will have some good data already published. Okay, fantastic. Um, and just to finish. Um, looking into the crystal ball and knowing what you know so far, future clinical implications of this study? Again, so uh, as for the apricot, we took the, the lesson from the apricot. We did a lot of application related to the uh, apricot by itself. It means that we published the data from the primary outcome, plus we did um, several spin-off papers, and I'm pretty sure that we will do the same for the nectarine. But what was more important is that we created a format which is called Out of Apricot, and we are running an annual uh, educational course during the ESA. Uh, this year was extremely well attended. We had people coming from all over the world uh, with excellent speakers and it was a real opportunity to interact with the speakers. So what we need to do is definitely we need to implement education and teaching, especially to the young generation. And I'm pretty sure that the Nectarine will have a very similar impact. Fantastic. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Okay.